Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Guys, obviously, what I want to talk about right off the bat is the fact that Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles announced their breakup. So, of course, everyone is like, this confirms that it was a PR relationship because obviously, Don't Worry Darling came out, My Policeman came out, and then what do you know? There's a breakup. I think, you know that has something to do with it that they didn't want to distract from all of that or they wanted to like drum up all the attention but I think it's also because Harry is starting his leg of the international tour he's going to be away and they announced it in a very low-key way they did it on like a Friday night at the end of the work day when people are getting ready to go out they're not that focused on the celebrity news so that was definitely planned when they actually released uh, that they were broken up. And all the articles are from sources saying like why it happened. And it's it's very much creating this narrative that they broke up because of <sighs> just being in different countries, basically. And the reason I really wanted to talk about this is on TikTok, Girl Boss Sounds, she's a really popular creator and she does like predictions, but it's like PR addiction, you know, does that make sense? <laughs> Yes, thank you, Kenzie. I also have my whole family here right now uh, because I'm obviously home for Thanksgiving. I wanted to do another special sibling episode, but it's so hard to wrangle all of these kids together at one time. And I only have two mics. It's not part of your patience. Okay, well, peanut gallery over there. <laughs> and they're not really kids anymore. They're always kids to me. Okay, so Girlboss Sound made a prediction that Harry Styles is going to date Camilla Marone next. And Camilla Marone famously just broke up with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, she turned 26. She got the boot. Uh, my prediction is that <laughs> he always drops people when they're 26. That's like a known thing. Shut the fuck up. No, really. That's his thing? Yeah. Put you on the shelf because she's 26. He's dating Gigi Hadid right now. So, I mean, she's oh, already... She. I, yeah, she's probably going to get the boot quick. You know, he's moving it up one year. Ew, don't say that like that. Okay, so, okay, my prediction is that Harry Styles is going to date Daisy Edgar-Jones. And I'll hear me out. Okay, first off, people are so nasty in my comments. They're like, it, Harry is queer, and like, why is everyone going to predict that he's going to date a woman? He could date a man. Yeah, he could date a man, but that's not my prediction, okay? And as far as I know, he's never openly confirmed that he's queer. Has he hinted at it many a time? Yes. Has he ever come out and stated his sexuality? No. So, you know, I take all of it with a grain of salt. So my prediction is because uh, Daisy Ecker Jones is predicted to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this coming movies that probably won't be out for years from now. And that was the other thing people were saying was, oh, well, you know, she's so far off that she's going to be movies and they won't even be in movies together. I don't care. It doesn't matter if they're actually in the movies together. It still is good PR for Marvel for her and Harry to date. And I'm sure that their paths will cross because I feel like all of the Marvel people kind of, you know, exist within the same realm and end up meeting each other. And half the time, even if they're in the same movie together, they don't even know. I mean, see Gwyneth Paltrow. She never knows what movie she's in. So I think this was a good prediction. And I'm telling you, this had TikTok heated. Some people were like, oh, my God, yes, slay. And other people were like, ew, keep him away from Daisy. She's so pure. She's so." And I'm like, we're acting like Harry Styles is now the villain. He's some gonna how going to corrupt Daisy Edgar Jones. One point that I do take kindly to is that she is 
on the young side for him. She's only 24. That would probably be the youngest person he's ever dated. Uh, so that could be the one thing that holds it back. And the other thing people were saying is that he looks or she looks too much like Gemma, his sister. I think they just are pale brunettes who are British. So I don't think they actually look anything alike, but okay. Also, speaking of Daisy, I had no idea that it is publicly rumored that she is in a throuple with Paul Mescal and Phoebe Bridgers. I had no idea. I actually found this out. I was on Ready to Be Petty's podcast last week. If you guys haven't listened yet, check it out. Tori's so nice. She's Canadian. I had a great time chatting with her. Shout out to anyone from Canada who listens. And we were talking about that and I was like, oh, well, maybe they're in a in a throuple and she's like oh yeah like that's you know a lot of people think that and I was like wait people actually think that no I had no idea because as usual after all these episodes Kenzie still doesn't acknowledge that she has to speak into the mic but she was saying that she knew that and everyone knows that so okay you know it's a rare day when Kenzie knows a pop culture item that I don't but <laughs> but oh my gosh so I just think that's another thing that had people riled up. They're like, oh my gosh, Harry Styles, he, no, he can't join the thruple. But I'm sorry, Phoebe Bridgers and Paul just got engaged. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure it has. So isn't Daisy kind of already out of the loop if she's not in the engagement? I don't know. I, I feel bad for her. Anyways, shameless plug to go follow me on TikTok at Bailey Evan if you're not already. Another thing I discussed in depth with Tori is the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster drama. Of course, that's all the internet could talk about in this past week. I luckily through Chelsea, you know, she's a, she's a listener of the pod, a friend of the pod. She got us tickets. I'm so excited. We're going to the first night of the Tampa show. It's on a Thursday, so we can make like a whole weekend out of it, you know, take off work. I'm so excited. And I fully acknowledge that it was a miracle. She got tickets. I feel very lucky. And I wanted to talk about Taylor's response because when I was on with Tori, she hadn't released the response yet. And I was adamant. I'm like, she's not going to say shit. She's going to maybe let Taylor Nation say something. And the thing is, she did respond. And I found her response so interesting because A, she posted it as an Instagram story. And there's this lady, I'm blanking on her name. She's a little bit older, but she's really established in the PR industry, has worked in it for years and she always has really interesting like you know industry level thoughts about this and she pointed out when you post an apology or a statement on something that disappears like Instagram stories it's acknowledging basically that you are in a PR crisis otherwise you it wouldn't matter you would just post it on the grid you would be open about it you put it on Twitter whatever I mean it's very clear that this was a crisis and she said that she didn't follow the normal categories of what you do in a PR crisis where, you know, you apologize, you kind of take the blame for it. And this Taylor really deflected. And while she didn't say Ticketmaster by name, she definitely deflected the blame on to Ticketmaster. She says, you know, starts it out by saying, I'm extremely protective of my fans. So right off the bat, centering it as like, you know, I have my fans back. Like I would never want this to happen to them. And she says, we've been doing this for decades together. And over the years, I've brought so many elements of my career in house. Referring to the fact that ticketing is something that she does not do under her own sort of management. She says, I've done this specifically to improve the quality of my fans' experience by doing it myself with my team who care as much about my fans as I do. It's really difficult for me to trust an outside entity with these relationships and loyalties and excruciating for me to just watch mistakes happen with no recourse. I mean, I think there's been some recourse, but 
Okay. She says, there's been a multitude of reasons why people had such a hard time trying to get tickets. And I'm trying to figure out how this situation can be improved moving forward. And then she says, I'm not going to make excuses for anyone because we asked them multiple times if they could handle this kind of demand and we were assured they could. Well, Taylor, you're making excuses for yourself. You're not taking any blame. She says, it's truly amazing that 2.4 million people got tickets. So there we have a little self-call. She's acknowledging like how popular she is, right? And, you know, at least that many people got tickets. And then she says, it really pisses me off that a lot of them feel like they went through several bear attacks to get them. And then she leaves you with this little morsel of hope, this this hint that, you know, maybe something else is coming. She says, and to those who didn't get tickets, all I can say is that my hope is to provide more opportunities for us to all get together and sing these songs. Thank you for wanting to be there. You have no idea how much that means. But again, it all strikes me as a little disingenuous when you don't even post this on your grid to stay there permanently. This is like, I know people can go search it on the internet, but there's more power to me having something that's permanently on a place where people go to look at what sort of information you're putting out. Before we get into the articles of the day, I wanted to briefly touch on the Lindsay Lohan Cord Overstreet Christmas movie, mainly because there's a really interesting article in Vulture where the journalist and author of the article goes to be an extra on the set of a Christmas movie. And I thought it just sort of gave me some framing to understand how these movies work. First off, I also talked about this with Tori. And one thing I didn't mention in there, but that I found fascinating is that there was Maserati product placement in this movie. And I was like, is Maserati really paying to be in Falling for Christmas? Like, is it just me or does that seem a little bit beneath them? Okay, but back to this Vulture article, the journalist, the one that she was an extra on was a movie that was being directed by Miss Sabrina, the teenage witch herself, Melissa Joan Hart, which I did not realize that apparently she's like a big director in the Christmas movie realm. I had no idea. And she also uh, directs episodes of like Young Sheldon. And there's another show that I'm blanking on right now. But I love that because I feel like she was in the industry so young that she probably and did so many episodes of TV shows that she's probably pretty good at it. And the journalist said that she was very, you know, she knew everyone's name on set. She referred to people by their first name and she was patient and, you know, a good director. And she had this quote that I loved. It says, do you want it good, fast, or cheap? You can pick two in regard to these Christmas movies. And she says, and of course, these are always done fast and cheap. So she's implying that, you know, they're not good. <laughs> And then this article or this quote, it says, these movies are training grounds for writers and steady work for production teams in smaller markets. It's an efficient, chaos free set. Well, except for the kids, one of whom saunters up to a background actor dressed as a reindeer posing off on all fours and asks, are you finna get road? <laughs> How old is this child? Like, I hope he's at least like 12, because if there's an eight year old going up to someone dressed as a reindeer and saying, are you finna get road? I'm I'm concerned. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought that was a fun little article and I wanted to mention it. But let's get into our official articles of the day. You guys might be sick of hearing about Anna Delvey, but I just can't resist. And this article had me cracking up. I loved the author of this article, how she approached it. Her name is Tahira Hairston. And this is called Riding the Subway with Anna Delvey and Four Inch Manolos to Meet Her Parole Officer. And before I read this article, I actually read Bon Appetit's article about her wanting to throw dinner parties from her apartment. So I guess an email was leaked where Anna Delvey said that was her plan. And at first she was kind of annoyed that it got leaked and her plan was out there. But then she realized she was getting a lot of attention with it and did an article 
people with bon appetit. And something that stuck out to me in that article is she mentions that she's a pescatarian. And you guys probably know I am too a pescatarian. My brother, he's sitting across. He's one too. Kenzie's one too. You know, we have good company. Harry Styles was one as well. So now we have Harry Styles and Anna Delvey. Like, let's go. What an interesting dinner party that would make. Also, in case you were wondering, apparently in prison, she liked making avocado mousse for her fellow inmates, uh, avocado chocolate mousse to be exact, which is, you know, very poosh, very Kourtney Kardashian of her. Okay, so now getting back to the cut article. (laughs) Tahira writes, the first thing that strikes me about Anna Sorkin, that's her real name, when I meet her in person, after reading about her and watching Julia Garner play her with that elaborate Euro accent, is how regular she is. There's nothing particularly charming or memorable about her. She's not a smooth talker, and she's not really stylish. But she is, in person, surprisingly deadpan funny. Having been behind bars for nearly five years, 19 months in Rikers, 21 months in state prison, then 18 months in ICE detention, she has quite a sense of humor about being Anna Delvey. I tell her that her skin looks great, and she says, I mean, for being in jail, I have pretty decent skin, just because you stay out of the sun and you don't drink or smoke. I mean, I stay out of the sun, and I don't smoke, and I mean, I do drink, but my skin is not as glowy as hers. Like, I gotta give it to her. Her skin is looking rather luminous. (laughs) Then it says, Anna wants to go shopping. I was trying to get those Givenchy over-the-knee boots, she says, pulling out her phone to show me a photo. That was a no-go because of this bracelet. I guess no over-the-knee boots for me. Where the money might come from for a pair of $2,000 boots, I'm just too polite to ask. Mind you, her apartment is $4,000 a month, according to Street Easy. And, you know, the bracelet she's talking about is actually her anklet um, to track her and make sure she's staying on house arrest. But I don't understand why this wouldn't work with an over-the-knee boot. You know, I feel like you could get ones that are a little bit baggy around the ankle. You just, as long as they have a zipper, that gives you a little room to go in. She could go for like a nice wide calf boot, which is someone with wide calves. I know there is a dearth of those out there, but I think she could make this work. I mean, maybe not with the Givenchy ones, but I think she could find one that works. And then Tahira says, her fridge, when I poked my head in, is stocked with recess, Diet Coke, and the latest wellness drink craze, Poppy, which she decides she hates. It just tastes artificial. I would not order it again. It is too fake. And I have to agree with her on this. I've only tried Poppy once, and I tried the cherry pie flavor. I had to throw that shit away. It was like syrup in my mouth. And maybe again, maybe it was just a bad flavor, but I did not like it one bit. And I was excited because it says it has probiotics, and I, you know, I can't get too many probiotics. There's no such thing. But again, just wasn't cutting it for me. And Another thing that struck me about this is the Bon Appetit article said she had mainly LaCroix in her fridge, but then the LaCroix is not even mentioned in the cut article. So I'm like, is this all just product placement? Like maybe this is product placement for recess because she gives the author of the article a recess and in the same breath, she disses Poppy. And I don't know if Poppy is recess's direct competitor, but this kind of makes sense to me. And then the author says, the second thing that surprises me about her is how nice she is. And that had me dumbfounded. I was like, what? Nice? Girl, anyone can fake being nice. And then luckily a couple paragraphs later, she says, after a while, I catch myself and wonder if she might be a little too nice. She is a skilled manipulator of people or she must have been to have gotten away with half the things she was accused of. Still, I'm a little sympathetic. And that to me seems to always be the conundrum of Anna Delby. It's like people want to not like her, but they get kind of drawn in. She's very much an anti-hero. Maybe anti-hero is about Anna Delvey. And I know I already said this, but I really found 
the quotes from the author more compelling than anything Anna had to say. Like, I loved this part. She says, in a way, I get it. So much of making it in New York is about faking it till you make it. If you don't believe you belong here, especially if maybe you didn't come from an aristocracy, nobody will. I spent years skipping the lines at fashion week parties I wasn't actually invited to announcing that my name was on the list or that the DJ was texting me. Once I got good at it, looking like I belonged, it usually worked. I talked my way into jobs that I didn't exactly have the skill set for, but figured it out along the way and stocked my wardrobe at designer sample sales to keep up with the rich girls I worked with who only wore Chanel and Prada they paid full price for. If you're wearing the right clothes in the right place and surrounded by the right people, you're suddenly somebody people should know. And I was just like, damn, that's the part about New York that I simultaneously like and find sort of repulsive because I do feel like it is a lot of that vibe of kind of keeping up with the Joneses, trying to act like you are someone until you really are someone. It's it's definitely intimidating. That's why I my ideal world, I just want to live in New York for like a couple months out of the year so that I can just go back to my little suburban lifestyle and, you know, like my basic ass shit that I like and not feel weird about it. Um But again, I envy people that can kind of flow into those spaces very seamlessly and, you know, not not be a scammer about it. But I love that this author was like, yeah, I just said I knew the DJ. That is the kind of confidence I would like to have. Okay, and this part I thought was crazy but predictable. Apparently, Anna's been approached to be on a reality dating show and she said, I just don't see any future in it. But then she's also been asked to be on The Masked Singer, which I found hilarious. And she said, I mean, they would find me out in two minutes, which is probably true. Like, I feel like there's only so much she could disguise her voice before it would be very obvious. And she says, I'm very cautious with everything I'm putting my name on. Like, I don't want to say it, but I really do think she's being smart about how she's going about her press right now. And then the author asks her who she still keeps up with from kind of like her previous life. And she says, obviously not Rachel. (laughs) But surprisingly, she still keeps up with Jessica Pressler, who is the author of the cut article that the Netflix show was based on. And apparently Jessica was coming over to Anna's later that night off the record to see her for the first time since she got out and I was just like wow I mean I guess they do have a very symbiotic relationship okay that's all I have to say about Anna but speaking of privileged gals let's talk about Nepo babies first up we have Lily Rose Depp she is the daughter of Vanessa Paradis and Johnny Depp it says Lily Rose Depp objects to being called a Nepo baby by Olivia Trufo Wong and she just recently did an interview with and she pushed back on kind of the Nepo baby narrative and she said people are going to have preconceived ideas about you or how you got there and I can definitely say that nothing is going to get you the part except for being right for the part okay I, I disagree with that she says maybe you get your foot in the door but you still just have your foot in the door there's a lot of work that comes after that and I see that to a certain degree but I think that there's almost this mythos around Nepo babies and when people know they're going to watch like Johnny Depp's daughter there's a certain amount of intrigue in that that I think movie execs believe might sell tickets like a lot of Nepo babies kind of go under the radar and they get their parts and people don't even realize that they're famous but with the last name Depp, she does not fall into that category. And Olivia acknowledges kind of the hypocrisy of this as well. She says, right, the fact that her mother has appeared in Chanel's campaign since 1991 just meant that she was able to meet Karl Lagerfeld when she was eight years old. But that didn't guarantee Depp would be chosen as the face of Chanel's pearl eyewear campaign in 2015. She's worked with the brand ever since. 
So then Lily goes on to say, it's weird to me to reduce somebody to the idea that they're only there because it's a generational thing. If somebody's mom or dad is a doctor and then the kid becomes a doctor, you're not going to be like, well, you're only a doctor because your parent is a doctor. It's like, no, I went to medical school and trained. She also suggested that the Nepo baby label was sexist. I just heard a lot more about women and I don't think that's a coincidence. I disagree. I refer to Nepo baby men just as much. Like that's homie lies show is really popular right now. And the main dude in that he's Katie Seagal's son, Nepo baby. Like I have no problem calling a man that. And obviously it was this particular quote in the article comparing the situation to doctors that a lot of people took issue with. And they're just like, uh, no, like going to medical school and going through all that and going through a residency is not the same as like getting a leg up in the industry because you have actor parents. And As someone who is a lawyer and has lawyer parents and now my younger sister's in law school, my brother's probably going to go to law school. I do think there's something to be said for like, you know, you have the support of the people around you. Like they know what you're going through because they've been through it. But I can also honestly say like my parents have helped me get shit as far as jobs go. I mean, no benefit in that realm. Like, is it a privilege that they've been through this and they can give me advice on the law to a certain extent? Yes. But we also do completely different genres of law that to the point where we can't, (laughs) we can't really give each other advice on the specifics of the type of law we do. And I think it really speaks to just kind of how out of touch and tone deaf she is that she thought it would be a good idea to make that comparison in an article. (laughs) It's just like, oh, yikes, where's your PR people, girly. And part of the reason I want to discuss Lily Rose saying this is because our next article is the cover of this issue of The Cut, and it's Lourdes Leon, who is Madonna's daughter, her oldest daughter. And I just feel like her whole vibe is so different than Lily's. And I actually found her in this uh, interview very refreshing and funny and sort of like she's in on the joke and very aware of how privileged she is but then I was looking at the comments and there's 50 comments on this article which is a fair amount and people were skewering her they just found her really unlikable so privileged like you know nepo baby yada yada, yada. but I, again I felt like she's acknowledging that she's a nepo baby so I wanted your thoughts after we go through some of her quotes my favorite parts that what she said because again I found her kind of charming and someone that I would like to get a drink with you know that's always kind of the scale I like to use on this podcast I'm not trying to say like oh this person is a good person this person is a bad person but I like to judge it on hey would I like to go grab a cocktail with this person and I definitely think I'd rather get a cocktail with Lourdes over Lily Rose Deb it's also hilarious because uh Lourdes's first boyfriend was Timmy Chalamet and Lily famously also dated Timmy so I felt this was just like too perfect of a tie-in so the name of this article is Lourdes Leon never thought she'd drop a record. The stakes are a little higher when your mother's a pop icon by Megan Garvey. So <laughs> they do this interview at Kiki's and it says that Lourdes, who likes to go by Lola, so we'll call her Lola through this. It says she's gotten three separate what's ups from passing skaters in the hour we've been sitting by the open window of Kiki's, a Greek restaurant frequented by downtown kids and tourists in the Chinatown adjacent wedge known as Dime Square. Heard of it? Oh my God, this area, she says, flashing a peace sign at the latest one and rolling her eyes. I keep seeing people I know. 
She looks over at a gentleman clutching a hardcover book like a Greek dramatist at a nearby table of three. Is that guy reading aloud? She mutters. I'm going to throw up. Now, I've only been to Kiki's once, and I find the whole dime square phenomenon so intriguing. Like, it is the best place to people watch for this particular subculture of young 20-somethings in New York. And you guys know I also love the come up, which is on Freeform, that also kind of focuses on this area. And I swear there was that same pretentious ass vibe, like people reading, like just looking too cool for school at Kiki's. There's also normal people there. It, You know, you get the whole mix. And I found their food very delicious and very well priced, really cheap wines and that were really good. But back to Lola, apparently she is a model, choreographer, dancer, and more recently a singer. She just released her first EP under the name Lola Hole. She says she liked ending in a hole because people seem to find that word uncomfortable. And she currently shares a rental apartment with a longtime friend and imagines they'll die together. She says, it's giving gray gardens. These are some other notable quotes from her. I still don't like actors. They don't know how to dress. <laughs> it says, Lords wants her life to be like other people's. After graduating from LaGuardia High School, where she met her first boyfriend, Timothee Chalamet, she had to get out of the city. In the reverse of your usual Midwest to coastal elite pipeline, she shipped out to Ann Arbor, paying tuition at her mother's alma mater, the University of Michigan, with what she says was her own money. (laughs) She lasted a year there. It was absolute torture, she says, still mortified. Like, I can't even believe I ever went to a frat party. So scary. Grief life is disgusting and should really be abolished. I couldn't get over the ignorance. I was just like, these bitches are so basic. I'm gonna die. I mean, obviously, I disagree. I really enjoyed my experience with Greek life. and But this way, I mean, I think she's just kind of funny. Like, <laughs> she's, she's like, she's kind of like Anna Delvey, honestly. And then she's asked about how she feels about the fashion world taking itself so seriously. And she says, oh, my God, don't even get me started on this. Literally, the dick sucking that goes on. Fashion is an art, and I really respect that. But I can only play the game up to a certain point. If you're a model, you go in and do what you're told. This didn't jibe with her mother's advice to never let anyone tell you what to do. Then everyone was like, this bitch is so annoying. I think they took it as a sign of disrespect when really I was just trying to have a voice. Again, do you see what I'm saying? Like she kind of feels self-aware, right? Like she knows she's kind of annoying and she's acknowledging that. And here we go. She's talking about Nepo Baby. She says, I want to feel like I deserve things and not just like I've been given things. And yes, there's undeniable privilege that I'd be stupid to not realize. Nepotism babies are pretty awful usually. And my mom and my father raised me to be so much smarter than that. And then this part, she basically admits that she will fight your ass. She says, I don't disrespect people, but if you come at me wrong, you better pray. She says with a devious laugh. She got physical over a comment about her mother just once. I was at a club spot and some dumb little bitch walked to come up and talk some shit to me. The second my mom's name popped out of her mouth, I don't condone violence, but she left. (laughs) Do you think this girl remembers this incident? I would love to speak with her. Like, you were assaulted maybe by Lola. Can you tell me how that was? (laughs) Like, did she really fight you? Because I don't condone violence either. Like, damn, did she just... I wonder if she slapped her in the face, which I also don't condone, but I feel like maybe that would be kind of a fitting... Uh, response to someone talking about your mom. If someone was talking about my mom, I'd probably slap them in the face too. Then I just have to leave you guys with this parting paragraph. It says, at Kiki's, the late lunch crowd is shifting to the early dinner crowd. And Lola's becoming preoccupied with her chicken. Can you please try this and tell me? She says, yo, like I'm not even joking. It actually tastes like feces. Am I crazy? She's not. She watches vindicated as the table of literature enjoyers sends their plates back untouched. Um, excuse me. Like, again, I thought the food there was very good. Obviously, I didn't indulge in the chicken. But why is it tasting like feces? What? What? (laughs)
And on that note, our blind item, which isn't a really a blind item, because again, I was having trouble finding true blind items on Madonna, just because she's written about a lot on Crazy Days and Nights. So this is his little blurb about her. It says... <laughs> And I thought, felt this one was fitting because there's a picture of Lola smoking a cigarette. And this was back in 2012. So she was fairly young. This was from April 8th, 2012, 10 years ago. It says, apparently Madonna did not appreciate the photos of Lola smoking and has put Lola going on tour with Madonna on hold for now. Should Lola be smoking? No. But Madonna has done more in an afternoon to be ashamed of than Lola has done in her whole life. Again, he is so vicious and sexist in some of these. It says, obviously, this is a do not do as I do thing. Anyway, Madonna has told Lola that she will not be able to go on tour with mom for a while. Fine with Lola. More, t- more time for smoking and getting in trouble. So again, this is kind of a blind item because it's a rumor, you know, whether Madonna actually cared about this. But I can totally see it because I feel like it sounds from even what Lola is saying that they kind of tried to keep her on the straight and narrow a little bit. And, you know, what mom really wants their kids smoking? I, I can totally see this being a true story. And guys, we've made it to legit shit. You know I love a gift guide. So I wanted to share something that is on my Christmas list that I think is so cute, reasonably priced if you want a gift like in the $50 range, or you can get two of them and make it 100 if you want to splurge a little bit. And it's the Deuce and Deuce and pepper grinder so you could do one with pepper one with like little salt cubes or whatever little other spice you want to grind I think they're so cute and charming everything Deuce and Deuce and is I honestly think these could go with like any kitchen because they're just so bright and fun and give like a little pop of color even if you have more neutrals but if you have brighter colors it'll vibe with that too and if anyone has one, let me know if they're actually like good working pepper grinders because again this is just something that is on my wish list I don't know how well they actually work. This is just for the aesthetics, guys. But there is a girl on TikTok, Cafe Haley. I get her stuff all the time and she has these. And I wanted these before I saw her having it. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely neat. And she uses them all the time and her food always looks so good. So that was like the final thing that kind of pushed me over the edge. Please uh, share what you want for Christmas with me. I'm telling you, I love nothing more than a gift guide. It's like all I'm watching on TikTok recently. Thank you guys for listening. If you're in the U.S., I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you're not in the U.S., I hope you're just having a great week. As usual, you can find me on Bailey Evan on Instagram and at Kind of Cute Podcast also on Instagram. Reminder again to check out Ready to Be Petty. I will link that in the show notes, my recent episode with her. And yeah, I will see you guys hopefully next week. Oh, with that being said, I also wanted to address that I'm probably going to take a little bit of a, of a holiday break I kind of like taking off December it's my birthday month it's Christmas I think I did it last year I think I ended up doing like one episode in December so if you don't see me or if it's kind of sporadic again you can find me on TikTok I'll try to post more over there but if that's why I'm a little MIA you know why thank you again bye